Hi, everybody, and welcome to Therefore a Geek, episode 150. I'm Andrew. I'm Dude. And today we are going to be talking primarily about Avengers Infinity War. Uh, we also have an update. Smash to... hit. No kidding. Hulk smash hit. Oh, terrible joke. With surprisingly little Hulk. Yeah, surprisingly little Hulk. No, we're going to be talking about that. We're going to be talking about uh, a quick update to the uh, Allison Mack story. And it just gets weirder and weirder. It, it is. It is super bizarre. And uh, you had one more. Or am I losing my mind? What are you losing your mind over? Did, did you have one more thing you want to talk about? I mean, you're cutting in and out, so I'm not sure what you're saying. <laughs> I mean, I can hear you, but you're cutting in and out. Okay, that's weird. Can you hear me? I hear you. Yeah, now you're fine. I don't okay. know. I lost you for one second. Okay. No, I, I was asking if you had anything else you were to, that we were going to talk about. Uh, other than the Allison Mack thing? Nope. That's okay. about it. So, as some of you may already know, we, we covered this last week, briefly when we talked about King of Kong, and now we have a little more update. So, Allison Mack was released from federal custody on Tuesday uh, on $5 million bail. I remember we talked about this, and the judge had not let her out because she was like a legit flight risk, but now she is uh, back in California at her mom's place under electronic monitoring, and if you guys don't remember, and you should, uh, she has been indicted with one count of sex trafficking, one count of conspiracy to commit sex trafficking, and one count of conspiracy to commit forced labor. Uh, charges she faces alongside with the cult leader of, what was his name? Keith Renier. And again, the U.S. attorney says that she is recruited women to join what was posed to be a female mentorship group. And But once they were in, they were no, they were, this group was called DOS. And the quote, the victims were then exploited both sexually and for their labor uh, for both the defendant's benefits. Uh, and then we mentioned like all the kind of weird branding and this weird Nexium group basically was founded in 1998. It was actually Albany based and Forbes magazine got a whiff of them as early as 2003. He's been doing a profile on Rainier who called himself uh, Vanguard. And just the kind of new bits of information that I found interesting about this case was that Allison Mack, after she ended her role in Smallville in 2011, started to reach out to celebrities as big as Emma Watson on Twitter to try and recruit them into this group, which to me is just that you got to have brass balls to want to bag one of the biggest movie stars in the world at the time. Uh, well, I mean, certainly was, she, she tweeted to her as recently as January 2016. That's stones. I don't even know how you sell that. Like, hey, you're a big British movie star. Why don't you just come to Albany, New York and join and join our group? Yeah, like, I don't know. To how, be fair, like British movie stars have a tendency to like get into weird shit. Oh, that's certainly the case. I mean, like Hugh Grant in prostitution was like one of the most tame things like movie stars have gotten into. Yeah. And now we have a little bit more information on some of the two uh, complainants, the, the Jane Doe's complainants. There's two Jane Doe's, a Brooklyn actress in her early 30s who joined DOS in February of 2016 and who did have a, a sexual relationship with at least Rainier. I mean, doesn't make any, I don't see anything about Mac. And then a Jane Doe 2 who kind of booked it as early as is the fall of 2016, or as recently as the fall of 2016, basically Rainier said he was going to help her with a t-shirt business and when assigned to Rainier to have sex with uh, to have sex with Rainier by Mac, she was like, uh, nah, I'm out of here and basically booked it. Uh, what's interesting is the article I have from Reason, written April 26, 2018 by Elizabeth Nolan Brown, makes an interesting case and we're going to see what happens with the prosecution because I don't know when her trial date is set. But basically, the argument is Mac may very well be a victim of Rainier as uh, as much as any of the other two complainants. Um, basically, uh, Brown's argument is the prosecution's logic doesn't make sense, not when it comes to portraying Mac as both a direct slave to Rainier and his equal in legal moral culpability, and not when it comes to building this as a sex trafficking forced labor case. And that's bad for a lot of reasons, the simplest being that the ill-fitting human trafficking charges make Rainier's punishment for legitimate offenses less likely. Overuse of sex trafficking charges also encourage further criminalization of atypical but consensual relationships. 
this criminal part of DOS is the alleged extortion and threats, not the sex between certain members per se, or the fact that they use their master-slave terminology. By bringing sex trafficking charges rather than prosecuting Rainier for fraud, threats, or extortion, authorities are overlooking the actual criminal part of what occurred in favor of criminalizing the parts that shouldn't be an issue. Now, I don't know this to be the, you know, this is at least one argument, and I don't believe this This is just a journalist, not a lawyer. And and she goes, so like kind of the third article, the third paragraph or the third section of the article kind of details the kind of whole argument. I will be really curious to see how this plays out and, and what Max defense attorneys will do because I feel like if I were Max defense attorney I would at least try to get my client or show my client as a victim also but I will be curious to see what the prosecution has to show that Mac was not only a, like a willing co-conspiracy uh, co-conspirator but a willing participant in this whole crazy mess but we won't find that out until the trial starts and I don't know what the trial date is yeah I, I mean the whole situation is bizarre to the least, but in a lot oh, yeah. of ways, you know, fairly disconcerting. Yeah, it's super, super troubling and, and unfortunate and a, a bad end for, for you know, a seemingly nice enough actress. Yeah. Have you watched it? Did you by chance watch any of the YouTube videos that, that these two have had with each other? No. Like, they're still up and they are super creepy. They are. The one thing that's disappointing is you can see how thin she is. Like, she she does look really, really thin. Yeah, although and to, that's, be, to be fair, that's she kind was of always really, really thin. Well, look at... I understand that. Like, and again, most Hollywood actresses are. But when you, when you watch it, it's it's like... Maybe it's just kind of a hindsight bias when you go back and you look at it, knowing that they they weren't fed well. It's it's quite uncomfortable to watch, especially like when you listen to him and you can't listen to him for very long. Like their one sit down is like an hour and I maybe got 15, 20 minutes into it. He blabs about absolutely nothing. It is pseudo profundity to like 11. It really, really is quite difficult because he's saying just mumbo jumbo crap and you just i I feel feel bad for people who get sucked into this kind of stuff well i mean like how many how many of these you know self-help kind of workshops especially these you know super super high priced ones are actually worth anything none of them oh like like yeah none of them and it's and again it's it's all that pseudo profundity it's it's just like oh geez i just feel bad every time i see someone get sucked into them and it happens all too often yeah really does it's just unfortunate all right right, so on to some cool stuff yeah, on to Infinity War. All right, so what did you think? So I will say this. Much like Black Panther, this is kind of Marvel now perfected in its system. And it's a big damn film. And it is exciting. There's a lot of action in it. And I think my big beef with the movie, the one like real problem I have is that for a movie that is so action-oriented and action-heavy – I just didn't like the way it filmed the action scenes. Like that was really my big problem is that it was really hard almost from go to kind of take in what was happening and see it in a clear way. I I really, my biggest beef with the movie is the cinematography uh, and the action direction. And I just, I thought that was disappointing. Other than that, I thought my, my, my other minor complaint was I didn't like what the movie did with Doctor Strange. I thought Doctor Strange was a little out of character from what they set up in the previous Doctor Strange movie. Maybe they just needed a punching bag for this movie because it just felt like Strange was getting the worst of it up until t- towards the end of his run in the, in the movie. And maybe they'll un... I have a feeling that a lot of the kind of strangeness of this movie will probably get wrapped up in the second part because this is obviously a part one and it's very much a part one right uh, but other than that it's your standard marvel flair and i think marvel fans have every reason to enjoy it because we've spent a decade building up to this of uh, and a decade of character development and a decade of movies by this point you don't really need a lot of character development this is just what we've been waiting for so let's just get into it and to the movie's credit, it did that. We just got into the... I mean, like, how many lines did Steve Rogers have in this movie? Like, No, not that 10? many. Yeah, yeah like more 10? than that, but yeah, and, not a lot. And then, and they were all like, go this way, come to me, do that, shoot that. <laughs> like, those were, um, hey, nice to see you, let's go to this place. Like, it wasn't <laughs> really much. So I, I feel like the audience that I saw with was really digging it because by that point, 
everyone had seen enough of the Marvel movies to know at least enough of what's going on to be on board with a big swooping action film. And the fact that you just crammed everyone into it was just kind of fun to watch, especially with the funny little cameos of like Red Skull or Peter Dinklage as a giant dwarf, which I did. I, I thought was kind of cool, although the voice was a little off putting, but it was still kind of cool. Um, other than that, I, you just 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 fine. I don't know. What did you think? As someone who's who's been really invested in this for 10 years, I mean, more than 10 years, right? Or 10 years. About 10 years. Well, what do you think? Yeah. <clears throat> no, I, I very, very much enjoyed it. Um, yeah, it is certainly not a perfect film. I think it's better than the standard Marvel formula because I think there's just, you know, there's certain elements that are removed from that just based on kind of how the plot has to go. You know, like one of, one of the, the key elements to the, the Marvel formula is you're basically fighting a bad guy that is yourself, but... Mm-hmm. evil right you know, so that doesn't there are certain like elements that don't that don't work i mean you're right marvel has gotten a finely tuned product here so you know certainly they're not like the movie wasn't what i would call like super super predictable but it like so like it surprised me at a couple of a couple of turns but like at the same time nothing like blew my mind either no i, I would agree with that i mean so the movie i mean basically the premise of the film is thanos is searching for these infinity stones he's finally got the ball rolling or at least got the momentum on his side to put them on we we catch the movie pretty much what would you say right after ragnarok ends that's that's kind of where we pick it up yeah and thor's basically beat the crap out of the asgardian refugee ship uh I will say this. I absolutely enjoyed the fact that Tom Hiddleston gets his it's just dispatched in the first five minutes of the film. Like that was was so fine with that. Not not just that, but like I like the fact that like Thanos, you know, choked him with his with his own hand. Like, yeah, that's a very personal way to kill someone. Oh, yeah. Just crow, just lift like, him up and then crack the dude's neck. And like, I think that I think that set the right tone for the movie. Oh, I would agree with that. Like, yes. Like, I hey, think that was fun. this isn't going to be happy go lucky superhero movies like shit's going to go wrong. Um, you know, so I would say it's not the perfect movie though. To me though, it was the right movie. Mm-hmm. You know, it kind of it kind of hit every. It didn't hit everything absolutely one hundred percent perfect, but it hit everything it needed to hit, and you know, really didn't really didn't f- screw up any major. Um, no, I, I was at least impressed with its ability to keep the multiple strands moving, even though I think certain strands were just less interesting than others. Well, like certain strands got bogged I, down, and I, I honestly, oh yeah, I, no, that's for I, sure. I think I think kind of the tipping point was the Guardians of the Galaxy. As much as I like those characters, like they were that little bit too much. Yeah, I don't I don't know. I'd be curious to see who spent most time. See, the one for me that I was pulling my hair out with was kind of as the Guardians. So I, I kind of the Guardians by themselves was a little was okay. I still think Drax is probably the best character in the whole franchise but the what, what, what was where i was pulling my hair out was what was really bothering me was the interactions between like stark and doctor strange that for me i, I had a really i didn't care about them and i didn't like watching them together i guess that was kind of a maybe a big moment and none of it none of them worked it got a little bit better when they met up with the guardians i thought that was because because again it kind of led into the big confrontation with thanos other than that i i did like the thor sequence i thought was kind of neat and then the steve rogers vision stuff was okay although i also don't like vision very much i had kind of forgotten about him and did you notice elizabeth olsen just dumped her accent like that's gone it, you know it's funny because that's one of the first things becky said when we got out of the movie she's like yeah so i, I guess she's just given up on the accent and i was like i mean it's been slowly petering off through the last several films yeah it was just 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 gone like not even she just sounded like a character from full house it was just done for uh I, what i did appreciate about the film was at least these two things this is what i did like i kind of like to look past the superhero stuff for a second and see what else is in there and i will say this josh brolin as thanos was fun to watch yeah and and, and, and they, they they were able to add because like i said they're really you know, I don't need a whole lot of character development for anyone else. They were able to make Thanos less of a cartoon villain than he is in the comics, at least at least initially. Yeah, I see that. That was the thing is I don't his relationship. I don't. I didn't see the first Guardians, but did he have a a, a good a close or, or loving relationship with Gamora? Because 
I found that hard to believe, and then I sat there and went, maybe it's because I missed the first Guardians. Yeah, so so where the, where the first Guardians kind of pick up, pick up is that Gamora is the adopted daughter of Thanos. Right, I knew that. He has sent her on the mission to go get the, the Power Stone, and that's the point at which she chooses to betray him. But she's been, right. you know, but he's been raising her to to take over for him eventually. Oh, uh, okay. Like, she, she yeah, that's basically the... raised as his, to be his successor eventually. Okay, so successor, that makes a little more sense. Because in the film, I was like, I'm not buying this. He's, like, all upset. He's got to chuck her into the pit, and I was like, I don't... No, see, I really... It makes a little like, bit more sense, I, really but I was like, I didn't buy that. I did like seeing Sam Neill come back as Red Skull. That, that was... Wasn't, that wasn't Sam Neill, and the original Red Skull... Wasn't Red Skull? And the original Red Skull was Hugo Weaving. Oh, that's who it was. You're right. It wasn't Red Skull? Then who was that? I thought it was Sam Neill, but you're right. It is Hugo it Weaving. Is, it, is Red, it is Red Skull, but it's neither of those actors. Oh, so they got a different guy? Yeah. I guess Hugo Weaving wouldn't come they, back. Who'd they it. get? Uh, give me a second. Yeah. You're right. I, was, I get confused Sam Neill with Hugo Weaving. <laughs> I'll tell you this much. At least it sounded like him. No, I think yeah, I think he did a good job. I was like, because I kind of sat there and I was like, something's off. Like I'm, re- I think, like, I think it's really cool that they got that they went for Red Skull, but something's off. I mean, they, they didn't have to have him there, but it was fun. It was, I thought it was just fun to put him in. I think my audience really dug it. Ross Marquand. Well, I never heard Marquand. Never heard of him. Um, he's been on Walking Dead for a while. That's probably why we don't know. Oh, him. that's why is I don't I haven't watched Walking Dead since season one. Right. Oh, I did like what. What is the, the the one character who can move shit with his mind? They mention his name kind of once or twice in the film. Is the guy that got sucked, the character that got sucked out into space, Ebony Maw. On the Ebony Maw, I liked him. He was fun. I was sad to see him go. I enjoyed that guy. I enjoyed that character a lot. Yeah, Becky and I were both super irritated that for a lot of the scenes, the the one with the blue hair, Proxima Midnight, mm-hmm. was CGI when it was unnecessary. There, again, this is just something I, I have to look past because just there's so much CGI goob characters that it's like, uh, okay. Well, but like it, it wasn't even like CGI goob. It was like there's when like when they're standing talking, mm-hmm. like it was one of those like there's there's no need for that character to be CGI right now. I know. I agree with you. It's just uh, at like this it, point. It looked fine. Like it would look, but it looked like a video game. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Like I, said, I mean, the Guardians of the Galaxy, like I said, kind of kind of were, were a little bit too much. Like I said, I like the Gamora Thanos stuff. Um, it, with regards to your your thoughts on like St- Strange and and Stark, I think part of where that comes from is a it, so like when when the two characters or when Stephen Strange is introduced, you know, a lot of people were, were commenting on like how close he was to Tony Stark, like in in characterization and and whatnot. And I think it was one of those like. You know, you get, like, two people who are really similar in personality together, and either they're, like, fucking bros, or they hate each other's rotten guts. Mm-hmm. And I think they decided to go with hate each other's rotten guts. Well, no, that part's clear. I, I just, for whatever reason, the way, for me, the way they wrote Strange, it didn't feel consistent with what we had from the first uh, Doctor Strange. I thought, you know, st- obviously the, you get to give Stark all the best lines, but I felt like Strange just, maybe it's Cumberbatch, I don't know, the, the whole, the, Strange just felt like he shrunk in front of the, Stony, the Tony Stark character. And I was a little disappointed, because I was looking forward to a really good banter between the two, and it just felt like they gave Doctor Strange a, a little dose of the stupids. Like he was making the character was making like really weird decisions, and Stark was saying like, "Hey, we need to protect you," and he's like, "No, nah, I got an oath." And then Strange gets barreled over almost instantly and captured. And it's like, "Well, just listen to Tony." And also explain to me why can't Doctor Strange use his portal thing to get off the boat, to get off the flying spaceship? Is there is there a range limit he has to that? You know, I don't know. I've 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 had not in that inst- not in that specific instance, but I had other thoughts about that, like um, with regards to that. So I, I don't have a good. Oh, answer like to the, his little portal thingy. Yeah, like whether or not the the sling rings have some kind of range or something. I was wondering that because it was like, oh, we can't turn it around, and my first thought was, well, use your portal thing, <laughs> just get off. Right. Just. Just to do it. Just wave your hand around and go. No? Okay. Yeah. I got nothing on that one. Um, yeah. I'll tell you what, though. I really did enjoy this film, especially the ending. Yeah. Do you just want to dive into that one? How did your sure. audiences react to that? Because... 
absolutely fucking silent. So, okay, so my... You could have heard a fucking pin drop. So my audience, I had people, like, freaking out, like, like shocked gasps and whimpers, so much so that I was really tempted to kind of just turn around and go, they're going to be back in part two! They'll be back! Relax. Yes, I mean, so again, I went to a 1040 showing on Thursday, so, like... I was with all the fucking Uber nerds. Everyone knew kind of what was going on as soon as it started happening. Mm-hmm. Right. I saw mine was a 1030 on a Friday, which was still a, a fairly packed. Oh, yeah. Still re- really, really packed. I don't know. I mean, like the, the the showing I went to and the showing Becky and I went to were both completely full. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, really. I mean, no, I mean, I really, again, I really like the ending. Especially Thanos getting watching the sunrise, mm-hmm. um, one that that's that's really close to the end of the of Infinity Gauntlet, mm-hmm. and and to the if you look kind of over his shoulder and in, and in the distance shot, you can see the scarecrow that mm-hmm. he made out of his his armor. Yes, yes, um, yes. I, I I recognize that also. The other I thought that was I, I did like his line before he disappeared was you should have aimed for the head. Yeah, and then he snaps his fingers. I thought. That was that was pretty cool. I think th- for me, I guess the my I guess the guy I liked the most was Thor. I thought Thor was the most fun because he got a new axe and it has a part of Groot as the handle, which I thought was kind of cool. And he was, he I think was a little, his was entrance a into the final. Yeah, he definitely was. That was <laughs> I mean, like yeah, really took me by surprise. Don't is get that me wrong, like like God of Thunder? You know, by I think by definition that should make you a little OP, but like right. But but we haven't seen him like that crazy in the series. Like I was like the whole point where, which was one of the two lines that I really did think was legit funny is when and I can't remember exactly how they worded it, but it was very good. Is like Peter Dinklage is like you know you're about to take the full force of a star. This could kill you. And then Thor says something like, "Well, this I might die. die. (laughs) Only if I die. (laughs) Only if I die. And then he goes, "Yeah, that's what killing you is. And the 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 really like the the multiple like heavy blinks that Peter Dinklage did was just like yeah no that's yeah he's he's great again he's I thought the voice of his character was a little over the top fantasy like okay like I, I don't think he did it I that sounds like a post-production thing that they, they kind of constipated yeah it didn't it didn't I didn't need that but I thought he was fine and and I did say I think the other moment where I really did enjoy was Drax taught when when Gamora and Star Lord are having their little moment and Drax is eating watching them right and they go how long have you been there he goes an hour right. uh, I I thought that was thought that was really cool that, those those are my two favorite that was legit funny moments of the of the movie that part was great I thought what was even funnier is like Drax is still trying to convince them that he that he they can't see him oh yeah the whole then, sequence is good and then man just walks in. Hi, Drax. Right. <laughs> like, Damn. Damn. Yeah, he's my favorite character. The whole. Um. Now, one of, one of the things I, I do think is going to play a role in the next film is the scene almost at the end where Thanos is talking to Child Gamora again. Yeah. I suspect that that is the Soul World, mm-hmm. which is um like a self-contained tiny world within the soul stone. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause that, that's one of those things that I think they, they're going to pull from, from infinity gauntlet uh, and replace Gamora or replace Adam Warlock with Gamora. Ah, uh, okay. Right. So what I found interesting, uh, what I, I do tend to like about some of these superhero movies is how they, I try and find like little philosophical concepts within them yeah. to enjoy. And I don't know if you picked up on this, but this is the kind of stuff I look for is one. I always check for the bad guy's motivation because, most movies, and I don't care if it's a superhero film, a spy film, or or whatever, if the bad guy's motivation sincerely sucks or just doesn't fit the bill, it tends to be a pretty dumb movie. Uh, And I thought, at least with Thanos, his kind of, his whole purpose is that he wants to get rid of half of the universe's population because, as he describes to, I think, Stark, uh, right before their big battle at the end, that his planet Titan was a like a, a, a land of plenty, but the population got so big they drained their resources and they fell apart. N- not too dissimilar to what happened to Superman's home world. You know, they just kind of like I think in Superman like, they mined it out or something. I'm, I, yeah. I don't remember the specifics of dest- how Krypton got destroyed, but it was like they over harvested it. But what's interesting about Thanos, to me at least, is that he basically articulated a a population bomb 
article um, argument that was kind of made popular in the 60s. And speaking of which, when did Thanos first appear? I was just cur- I'm curious. Uh, 70s. In the 70s. Okay, so this w- his appearance, and I know they're not entirely related, but would have been around the time this guy named Paul Ehrlich, who was a biologist, who started the whole population bomb fear that went through much of the 60s, 70s, and in, uh, probably into the 80s. And the basic the argument is the same thing as Thanos's. It's infinite growth can't can't be sustained. Uh, too many people will cause a you know mass famine, mass uh, resources loss, starvation, wars, all that kind of stuff. And you gotta run. You gotta like get rid of this. And at least in our world, you know, in Thanos's world, obviously it did happen to his planet, so he has reason to believe it'll happen. At least, luckily, in our world. There's no evidence that that's actually going to happen. Our, our population right. has doubled since the 1960s. Uh, we've been able to feed everybody. The amount of land we use to feed people like uh, has shrunken immensely. The pop, the number of people we need as farmers, you know, we're at one point like 30 percent of the population at the beginning of the 20th century. It's now like two, and the infant mortality rate has dropped dramatically. Yet fertility rates are also uh, dropping and a good kind of counterbalance is this guy named Hans Roslings. You just punch in the guy's names. It's R-O-S-L-I-N-G-S and watch his TED Talks. He kind of explains why the population bomb just isn't going to happen and we'll have a leveling out sometime in the mid this century or at the end of it. But it's, I at least thought for Marvel, I at least appreciated them using at least a, a concern that does have an analogy in our world. Right. I, I did like that, even though, you know, it's wrong, but, it, you know, it's plausible. Like an audience can go along with that. Well, it's, so, it's at least intuitively understandable. Yeah. And I would say, you know, Thanos's argument, I think, you know, he, he's trying to do the right thing. Mm-hmm. from a big picture perspective you know he's trying to save people from starvation and from suffering now like one mm-hmm. you know his desire to save these people is based on a faulty premise and yes. two you know his means is genocide so like it's a bit problematic there yeah so it's funny i, I remember when but, dr but it's strange not like, it's not like terrible it makes it makes him like he's not evil for evil's sake right right and, and he does at least it's great so i was trying to think of because i feel like i actually remember Remember the definition of genocide is the destruction of a group, a part, a whole or part of a specific group, be it religious, ethnic, racial, national, in it of itself. And what I did find about interesting about Thanos is he doesn't have a particular target. He he even specifically says it's just a total random 50-50 coin flip. Right. And it's everybody. So I don't know what that is, but that's like a different word because <laughs> it's just everybody with no particular design on a, on a on a specific other it might be like life aside i don't know but that's a that's a that's an, a scale onto itself well or i mean it could be argued he's committing multiple genocides yeah well i mean yeah if you put like everyone together yeah you know like one but planet, at least one planet one planet yeah right but at least to Thanos is, you know, I mean, there's not much of a credit, but he's not, it's not a targeted other than life or, or at least, does he say all life or is it just sentient, intelligent life? I think, I think the intent is sentient, intelligent life. Right. Okay. Yeah. So it's just that. So the other thing I picked up on, I don't know if you picked up on this. Have you ever heard of a problem called the trolley problem? No. So you mentioned this on Facebook and then I had to go look it up and, and I think this is certainly an interesting discussion to have. Yeah, so the trolley problem is a is a problem. If you watch the second season of The Good Place, there's a great episode where the trolley problem shows up. It is so funny. It's one of the big bright spots of season two. I thought season two was meh compared to season one. But man, that whole sequence. So the basic problem is... <sighs> It's set up a bunch of different ways, but the way I I first heard about it is you've got a trolley going down a railroad track, and if it continues on its course, it's going to hit five people, usually railroad workers. And then you are – you have the ability to pull a lever, and it will switch the track to another line where it will only hit one person. And the whole – 
problem occurs is it's immorally you should change the track because losing one life is better than losing five. So you have a net gain of, of four lives. But the complication of the trolley problem occurs when what role do you play in enacting that problem? So is it can you flip that lever? Is it easy to flip the lever from, you know, a, a, a junction station away from the trolley? What if you're on the trolley and you can flip the lever? Another way the problem has been described is if the train's going down a single track, just one straight track, and if you push another human being in front of the train, the train will stop. Just ignore the way that that physics doesn't work, but the whole idea is if you're actually doing the act, it makes it more difficult. And I counted at least two, possibly three times, the trolley problem raises its head in the film, and I found them all pretty interesting because one was Star-Lord and Gamora, the other was... uh, Charlotte Witch and Vision. And then maybe, I don't know, we could talk about this a little bit. Maybe the other one was Strange and Tony Stark. But but each of them had kind of, both of them were kind of the up and cl- up close and personal trolley problems because Gamora, again, the whole idea is that you, to keep, keep Thanos away from the Soul Stone, like it, based on what he wants to do, wipe out half the universe's sentient life, offing Gamora or blowing up the Soul Stone in Vision's head should have been like really, really quick. The problem is that their loved one, loved ones had to pull the trigger and they had to, you know, literally in one case and had to do it at point blank range. Right. And Star-Lord couldn't pull it off or he tried to and then it got turned into bubbles and then poor Scarlet Witch actually pulls it off and then Thanos undoes it. And then Strange, at the moment of Stark's kind of undoing at the hands of Thanos, hands over the Time Stone. But in having a couple conversations with people, that might not qualify as a trolley problem because Strange saw the future. So it's potentially that Strange is trying to enact a possible, the, the one possible future where they succeeded in defeating Thanos meant they actually have to give him the time stone. Yeah. Now, the, it's funny because the way I see that last one is not so much that as it is more the trolley where Stark has decided, or I'm sorry, Doctor Strange has decided, like, he realizes they have they have crossed the, the point of no return and that, that they have failed. Mm-hmm. And now it's a question of losing with the least cost. Right. That's certainly also a possibility. Again, with the Stark and, and, and Strange moment, I think that'll get sussed out in the second part. Like, there's a lot of, like, un- little threads here where you go, well, that's weird. Why was that decision made? And especially when it comes to Strange, because he has these kind of couple cryptic lines before he turns into leaf dust that you're like maybe maybe there's something we're not we're not seeing but i at least appreciate moments like that in a movie where, where little philosophical moments pop up yeah so i mean if you were you know you're watching and going obviously there's these mechanics that have to work for the plot that you just have to kind of look past like star lord punching thanos in the face at the moment that the near moment of their victory was like okay fine Right. Like, we'll just have to do that. But, you know, what are you going to do? Yeah. No, no, I agree. Um, it, just because you reminded me of it, one of the things I loved about the ending most, the look of relief mm-hmm. on Scarlet Witch's face when she starts to dissolve. Oh, okay. That 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 she no longer, that after everything, she doesn't have to live in a world without vision. That mm-hmm. basically the I'm coming to kind of. Mm-hmm. Um, what was really funny uh, uh, with the whole sequence was throughout the whole film, I had this thought of, I haven't seen Sam Jackson in any of these movies in a while. And he shows up like, in the final end credits and i was like oh that's good maybe we'll get more sam jackson and then he turns into leaf dust and i went well i guess not i like preferred him nearly dropping the, the his 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 f-bomb before he dissolves yeah that was pretty good i thought that was fun um and of course we, i was like that's that's a nice touch and of course we get the tease for um uh, let me tell you about Marvel. that yeah so i at first i saw that and i went okay i know that's a thing and I couldn't remember what it was. So while I was walking to the car, I'm like processing the whole movie and I'm going and then it, she pops into my eyes like, oh, it's it's Miss Marvel. That's who that is. OK, I don't have to look it up. I got it. Yep. Although I, I also like the fact that it looked like so the, the Captain Marvel film supposed to take place in the 90s and whatever whatever Nick Fury pulled out of his pocket looks like a fucking modified pager. It does. I was like, what the hell is that? <laughs> yeah, like, like, I'm, I'm like, did, he looked like he made that in his like garage bench. Yeah, I was like, did Nick Fury just break out a fucking beeper? Yeah, it was so yes, that was that was weird. I don't is, is that particular beeper have some kind of significance? Is that a thing no, from no, the, the Marvel like, not Marvel thing? Of. No, okay. I was 
because it's so out of place. Yeah, but it was kind of funny. It was funny. That's why I thought it was a gag. I thought it was an Easter egg that I wasn't picking up on. I don't think it's an Easter egg you're not picking up on. I think it's a gag, though, that he's got this cobbled together fucking pager. I mean, yeah, it's like soldered with like all these kind of funny buttons. Yeah. I, and it, it is kind of funny. It's like, so where's she been the whole time? I, we're, I guess we're going to find out uh, yeah. soon enough what, what she's been up to. Uh, I did find it funny in a way, like not in a ha-ha, this was intentional, but it was kind of just too convenient that pretty much everyone who got turned into leaf dust were all the kind of new additions, the, the late coming new additions, and everyone who didn't like, is basically yeah, like the original the, Avengers, Avengers cast from 2000. Yeah, the core Avengers, yeah. No, I noticed that. Yeah, I was like, it's like okay, fine. You gotta, and basically it was... Uh, as as I had a discussion uh, with a friend of mine about it like r- yesterday, it was like this is going to be you know their final send off. So yeah. you got to give it to them. It's like okay, you know, because I do like a fifty fifty chance everyone gets turned into leaf dust, and it has to be you know all the newcomers. I mean, the part that kind of made me laugh was when Black Panther turns into leaf dust, and I'm like, yeah, he'll be back. His movie just made a billion dollars. They'll they'll <laughs> they'll only need him for two more. Right. Although I liked the fact that the uh, the female general stayed. Because she's become one of my favorite side characters. Mm-hmm. It's like what I, I, I like, and I like her line. It's like you know, when you when you said you were going to open up Wakanda to the world, this is not what I had in mind. Mm-hmm. Like, well, what do you have in mind? The Olympics, maybe a Starbucks. Yeah, I do. I did like seeing Mbaku for a little bit. What she had on the kind of another crazy line, but yeah, I don't think did he, did he disappear too, or I don't think he disappeared. No, he did not. Okay, that's good because more of him. Yeah, he's great. And and Rocket, I like Rocket. <laughs> Is it true? Is it true that like Bucky has like a really big female following? That's what that's what Chris was telling me the other day. I honestly don't know. I didn't. I had no idea, but I was just told that like Bucky apparently has a really big following, and it it was to me it was kind of a big head scratcher. I just. I mean, good for him. He's a good-looking guy, you know. And there's some. We got some. We got ourselves some Don Cheadle. Although Don Cheadle needs to put on some weight. I mean, put on some weight. I don't know, man. Don Cheadle. I was thinking Don Cheadle was looking real old. Yeah. He was looking real. I was like, oh, maybe I, I didn't know if they did that on purpose, like the character was supposed to have lost weight or something. But my God. Yeah. Come on, Don. Well, it's like Don Cheadle's looking really old. And unfortunately, Terrence Howard is actually looking pretty good. <laughs> yeah. Although Don Cheadle's uh, a way better actor. Don't. Yeah. I, I, yeah. Don't get me. I just I'll yeah. take. Yeah. Terrence, Terrence Howard can stay, stay on Empire. That's fine. I'm just saying, you know, Don Cheadle's looking a little under the weather. I also, I did like the idea that that Rocket is the only guardian that they they kept because he is definitely my favorite of that yeah. group. I mean, Drax is great too, but I think that was a good choice to keep Rocket. I find the Rocket Thor mixture interesting. I love the fact that I don't know how I, him, like you called him Rabbit the whole time. He's calling him a Rabbit, yeah. And then like the kind of like little drops that Thor has, like again, the Thor character is like really, really different from you know the first one yeah, that where it started, we, the yeah. version we saw, and the whole like little i think a lot of it has to do with just like the little lines they give him like i'm 1500 years old or you sp- they ask him if he speaks Groot and he goes yeah it was an elective yeah like I, th- th- those are interesting little lines that i i think do work for that character yeah no i, th- I think so too so let's talk let's talk about this box office because this thing is just blowing shit away yeah we so- will see we are on track. It's on track right now for a two hundred and fifty million dollar weekend opening, which would put it as the highest opening weekend in history. Mm-hmm. It's also worth noting that Disney has nine of the ten, those top ten. It's just epic. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, this is this is crazy. Two hundred and fifty million domestically, nine hundred and thirty million worldwide. What I am curious to see is Black Panther kind of broke the mold by having really, really, really good legs for the time it was out because the word of mouth was really good and people really enjoyed it and there really was not any competition with it at all the legs i i want to see if 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 avengers affinity wars can duplicate the legs of black panther that's what i want to see yeah that'll be interesting that's that's the big question because the legs on ultron were not good but a lot of people didn't really care for Ultron. I don't know what the cause at least the consensus I've seen from people close to me. The, no one hated it. Like no one really hated it. It wasn't like, a, dear God, what the hell was wrong with this movie? Like again, if, in a Marvel, in a, in, a, in a superhero film, if there's not a, a really big head scratcher moment, like what the hell was that? You're fine. You're fine. People will just sit down and kind of turn their brains off and enjoy it. So I, that's where that's the open question for me. I suspect it will have really, really good legs, but we will see. Yeah, I mean, 
everyone I've talked to, kind of the general feeling is that like they walk out of the theater and they're just like, oh my god, what did I just watch? Like, what's going on? Mm-hmm. And then about a day later, everyone's like, oh, that was that was good. That was good. I just I couldn't deal with it at the time. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I couldn't deal with it because it was two in the morning and I had to get to for work in four hours. But that's, you know. Yeah, that's. <laughs> this is like I'm sitting, I'm at work on, uh, I, I may have, I didn't make a mistake, but it was not a good life choice. <laughs> no, certainly not. But man, 250 million. Well, yeah, it's not official, but boy. Well, yeah. I, yeah. The, the previous record is held by Force Awakens with 247 mm-hmm. million. What I found interesting is that if you look at the the weekend rec- records page on Box Office Mojo, it's uh, opening weekends Infinity Wars, opening weekends worldwide Infinity Wars, and then opening weekends foreign Fate of the Furious. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> yeah, for some reason, like foreign the foreign market just loves those Fast and Furious movies. Yeah, people love the Fast. I don't get it. I saw the first one when it came out, and I think I saw Tokyo Drift, and I was like, I'm done. I don't need to see any more of these. I saw the first one when, oh, the first one was really kind of cool. I saw the second mm-hmm. one, I was like, that wasn't nearly as cool. <laughs> and I think I saw, like, the fourth one. I think Kyle mm-hmm. and I went to go see it, just because we were do you know, didn't have anything else to do. I was like, that was kind of crazy, and like, big and like, action movie-ish, but like, mm-hmm. it didn't really do much for me mm. so what trailers were running in front of this one for you um nothing great i was solo which i'd seen a few times i've already yeah. seen a few times um uh the new jurassic world trailer yes i've seen that a bunch of times which, which is actually making jurassic world look worse except, yeah, I mean, look, except for the part where like the t-rex rolls over on on chris pratt yeah i that part i was hysterical i want to see more i i like that we're we're going to get more of the mosasaur because i think she's my favorite the the giant water reptile that like jumps out of the water and eats the dude hanging off the helicopter and then potentially attacks surfers yeah i don't, th- I don't think you're going to get anywhere near as much as you want i i, I hope so i mean i i, I, know, you, I, know, you, I, know, I know you're hoping but i'm, I'm pretty sure you're going to be disappointed <laughs> Well, so long as, like, this movie has lots of people eating, like the last Jurassic World, which I fully admit was stupid, but just lots of people eating. That's what I want. Yeah. Um, it looks like we're going to get that. Possibly, yeah. Um, uh, a movie called Adrift. Oh, yes. That yeah. Becky wants to see that, and I, I'll watch the kid. Yeah. <laughs> um, I honest to God don't remember. Like, there were more trailers than that. I just don't remember what they Yeah, were. I had, like, they five or six, but I will tell you this. Much, no, I'll tell you this. But the one thing that we got, we had the Venom trailer in front of mine, which I don't want to see that. And I love Tom Hardy, um, but that, that trailer is a, a mess. I just don't. I don't want to see that. But also, I got the Deadpool trailer, and I guess this is a trailer I had not seen before. And I was like, okay, Deadpool trailer, da 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 da. It's more of him putting the team together. Yeah. And it's that he's doing the interviews, and and the guy Phil shows up, and he's like, "What's your name?" Peter. I'm Phil or Peter. That's right. It was Peter. Uh, what are your superpowers? I don't have any. I saw the ad. Okay, you're on the team. And then it cuts to him skydiving with them. Yeah. I went, okay. Not just skydiving, okay. like he's in the same clothes and the look of determination on his face. Yes, like, so that it, got me. This. Yeah, that got me. I saw that and I went, all right, I'm on board. Now I'll see it. If if they if they make a gag out of the the whole Peter thing, I'm watching this. So um, that so Deadpool won me over with that with that little snippet. The other the other part that I love was um was cable when cable like Deadpool's trying to like block all the bullets with his sword. Oh yes, that was good too. And he's like, oh, you got uh, you got some fast bolts there. <laughs> I did I did enjoy that. I thought that was pretty good. Um, oh, and I got the uh, the Mission Impossible trailer, which oh I yeah, I want to see just for um uh, what Superman was his face. Uh, Henry Cavill. Yeah, because it looks like Henry Cavill. Just fucks a couple dudes up. Like there's the, the fight in the bathroom. Yeah, I'm actually. Like, he comes like, up where he like, like does the two air punches and then just starts beating the shit out of two guys. Like yeah, I'm, yeah I'll go like, watch it just for that. Yeah, I was the same way. Like that bathroom scene basically sold me. I'm not a big Mission Impossible fan. Uh, Rich is a huge Mission Impossible fan. Man, it, but it took me like six six watches of the first one to understand what in the fuck was happening. Yeah, well the first one's very different from the ones we have now. Yeah, I, I'm still impressed that like they basically just revamped the franchise. Without making any real change, like without changing exactly. the cast. Now, yeah, without really changing anything, they just they just kind of just changed the way they did it. And it's, I, I, I agree, I'm kind of on board. And I like Henry Cavill, like I really do. And I, yeah. I want to see, the, I want to see this mustache in action. That's really what I want to see. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that was it though for, for trailers. Yeah, I mean, like, I, I, 
had a whole bunch of them, and again, most of them weren't memorable except except that Deadpool one. I just had not seen the whole like average dude jumping out of the airplane. I really yep. like that that bit. So that night, I still want more niggas on Teenage Warhead. Oh yeah, she'll, Cause, she'll, cause she's entertaining. I, she is entertaining. I feel I liked. So I remember Domino when I was reading Deadpool comics in the '90s, and this Domino doesn't have the big dark patch over her eye, does she? I couldn't see uh, it. Ah, she does at times. At times, okay. I, I was looking for it and I didn't see it. Um, yeah, I, I do like that. Eh, Luck's not really a superpower. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. All right. So what else have you been into? I shot guns on Thursday. Were you any good? I was okay. So uh, for a long time, the girl and I had been meaning to go to the the rifle, the um, shooting range. It's like very like twenty minutes from us, and I finally like remembered to book an appointment. So we did it uh, this past Thursday. Five. We fought. She fired a Glock nineteen. I fired a Glock seventeen, and it was good. We got. Basically, for her, I, I got the kind of whole gun safety self-defense class that was like three, four hours. So we went to a classroom. We had an NRA certified instructor, explained everything about a pistol, all the rules that go, you know, go into it. We, you know, we were firing, you know, uh, we had revolvers. He had a revolver and then there was a bunch of semi-automatics. And, and really, that was just kind of for her benefit. So she wasn't like terrified of handling this weapon. And I think it paid dividends because when we went actually down to the range each of us got to fire uh 150 rounds each and you know it was all like different targets at different ranges and then they it was really cool because they could set the target out like 10 yards and then they could set it so the target like zooms at you like as if it's a rushing assailant right so you had to like shoot it as it's coming at you uh that was pretty cool so it turns out I might be left eye dominant. I'm, I'm right-handed and I have a I have I have left eye dominant, but I'm not 100% sure. I couldn't figure out which eye is dominant, but all of my shots were drifting to the left. If you look at my target grouping, they're all on like the left side of the target. Interesting. Uh, so I have to work on that. Um, and then she she had she actually did better than me in a lot of in a lot of aspects. You know, once she kind of got over the fear, and then it was kind of funny. The shooting range was was cra- it was crowded, and these two women had come in together, and they had obviously never fired a gun. So whatever possessed them to do this, and luckily the like, the staff there had they had enough staff there, and they were involved enough to help people who needed help. And you could see like the one woman for her first time, she's like holding the gun out in front of her. The grip isn't right, and she's like one of those people who like they're looking away as they're shooting the gun like they're right. looking to their left and you know the girl sitting there go or watching going that's not how you do it right so she obviously got what i hoped she would get out of this and that was the confidence to handle a firearm and i also learned that she wants to start hunting now like when, when we were taking the class the, the the instructor was like why are you here and i like explained my reasonings and then she goes i want to start to hunt my own meat and i turned to her and i went when were you going to tell me this <laughs> <laughs> nice. So, so that's a thing. So cool. I mean, we're not hunting. We're not going to hunt with pistols. So sooner or later, we're going to take a rifle course because if you're going to hunt, you're going to need a rifle. I don't know. I could also see her like, you know, running out and just stabbing things with knives. <laughs> oh, yeah. She she does like to run. Uh, yeah. And other than that, that's I can't really think of anything else exciting. I, I saw Did I mention I saw a documentary called I Am Jane Doe? I don't know if I mentioned this. I don't think so. I, it was it was a documentary. Uh, and it just is basically a, it was like an like an anti back page documentary. And what I've noticed about a lot of documentaries lately is they've become more advocacy like they're almost polemic in their construction that they just they just advocate these positions and the whole documentary is like this political ad to to repeal this measure from a bill passed in the 90s and i remember when documentaries were there to just tell us facts or tell us the story of something that actually happened in our world and i'm not ken burns and maybe this yeah like, like a ken burns or even like you know other ones like um the act of killing or or any kind of documentary like right and then but, but here comes supersize me and right and then it's, and now that you've got basically these ad uh, activist documentaries that just to me kind of tarnish the reputation of documentary films you know like like yeah like supersize me or even like the, some of the michael moore ones most of the uh, michael moore ones yeah so he, he rolls into most of those with a pretty pretty hardcore agenda 
Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And even, like, I mean, it's not just left-wing ones. Like, um, Dinesh D'Souza is the same way. Oh, yeah, um, yeah, So, like, it's not, it's, I'm not, it is, I'm not even picking a, even though I, I firmly disagreed with the premise of I am Jane Doe, I'm really just kind of attacking the, the whole, the whole, where documentaries are as a, uh, as a whole right now. And it's just really slick production, but the quality in terms of telling a story are just, like, not there anymore. And I, I kind of lament that. And other than that, I think I mentioned I saw Death of Stalin last time, so that's really yeah. nothing new. So we are now we are closing on the house tomorrow. We're going to get the new house. So pretty much all of my free time has been taken up with packing. I have I, I have fun part is I found things I forgot existed. That's always fun. So like the 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 blue dish set, and I I bring this up because you're familiar with them because there's a running joke between the two of us yes. about those dishes. There are cups for those dishes, like matching cups. Yeah, I didn't know that. I found them in the back of a cabinet. Oh. I feel like I've used those cups. I'm sure you have. I'm yeah. sure someone, but like since Becky moved in a few years ago, like they got put somewhere else and I had forgotten they existed. So I found those today. Hmm. So that was fun. Uh, but I mean, I mean, realistically at this point, it, it's packing and just getting everything together. You know, uh, a friend of ours who is a designer, we met with him last week to pick out paint colors. We did our final walkthrough. You know, we're closing on the house tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the next week is basically going to be prepping stuff and, and starting to move in and getting stuff like we you know this afternoon we went out and bought um chairs for the the, the eat-in island on the kit in the kitchen mm-hmm. so it's like a bunch of that kind of stuff so you know doing all that and it's like all right eventually i'll i'll have time for other things but mm-hmm. uh so at some point in here i have to prep uh, i'm giving another panel at tidewater comic-con uh i'll be presenting awesome. on saturday the 12th at noon uh it's for my my uh, the other podcast i'm a I run Avengers Assembly, uh, some assembly required, and uh, I'll be talking about Avenger Origins, kind of the mm. various different uh, select Avengers origin stories. Mm-hmm. I figure, you know, as we're coming to the end of the first Marvel Cinematic Universe, uh, major, you know, kind of portion, the, the first three phases, really, that uh, that'll be, um, it'd be nice to, to go back and talk about those origins and kind of mm-hmm. do a little compare and contrast. So, so I'm, I'm reading some stuff for that. But other than that, that really is taking up most of my time. Mm. Uh, oh, and it, not that you'd ever be interested because of how much you hated the movie, but apparently there is a special feature for a score only version of Force Awakens uh, for um, Last Jedi. Mm-hmm. And it was like, what? Why would why would you do that? Like I don't even remember the score of Last well, Jedi. I mean, I don't I don't particularly remember it either. But like, part of me is just going like, yeah, I, I like the the score of a Star Wars movie. But sure. like, that's not the only reason I go to a Star Wars movie, right? Like, you know, I want I want the story too. Well, wait a minute. Let me understand. Is this like a live orchestral presentation or no? It's like a movie with no dialogue and just the score. That's dumb. Yes, yeah, that's what I thought. <laughs> Like that's, at, yeah, that's really dumb. At first, Becky was like, "Oh, this could be kind of cool," and then she tried watching it, and she's like, "No, no, it turns out to be dumb." She's just like, "I take yeah, that's what sounds... I thought." Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, at first, like when you mentioned it, it was like score only. I'm like, uh, so like an orchestra, right? That's my that was my first thought. It was like because that's been done before, and that's pretty darn cool. Yeah, but well, like, like you know, but you like if I went it's to the or... silent film a bunch of years back. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that stuff is, and then I actually two years ago saw the same film with at an organ, like a, the world's largest outdoor organ, did a yeah. version of that movie. So, like, that's great. Uh, you know, awesome. Or even, like, fuck it, would they do, like, uh, just Star Wars, like, the music of John Williams or the music of Star Wars? Yeah, no, Like, okay, to, fine. But, you know, went to one of those last year for May the 4th. Sure. So, like, maybe there was just a music of The Last Jedi. Okay. But, so, the, the screen, the movie with the projection, it's just music. Yeah. That's what we're talking about. Yep. Wow, that's stupid. Okay. Yep. <laughs> I mean... You, yeah. Listen, hey, if you want to spend your money on that, knock yourself out. No, so also well, it it's a special feature on the on the Blu-ray, but it, but even oh, still, yeah, oh, okay. it's still it's still it's just weird. That is weird. All right, folks, if you like what we do, make sure you head on over to thereforegeek.com and check out our blog posts on our podcasts. You can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and you can find this podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, and Stitcher. <laughs> so once again, I'm Andrew. I'm Dude, and you've been listening to Therefore a Geek.